Hey, 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 Graham Norton here. It's time for another edition of the Graham Norton Breakfast Podcast. Today on the show, Jack Rook, the creator of Channel 4 comedy Big Boys, is in chatting about Series 2. Helen George tells us about taking to the stage in a West End run of The King and I. Show chef Martha is making roasted cauliflower with a delicious miso sauce. But, of course, we must first cross to Maria McKernan, who is solving some more of your problems in Graham's Guide. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Ah. Uh, it's nearly summer, it's nearly spring. <laughs> Do you know, I did see some daffodils. I was driving yesterday. And by, the, by the side of the road, there was some daffodils and they were out. Yeah, and the little tiny snowdrops are coming up and it doesn't get dark. Well, certainly in the south, I don't know about the north. Um, <laughs> the north. <laughs> until about 5.30 now, which has to be progress. No, everywhere. Apart from, obviously, Iceland and Alaska. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 Alaska. and points above. And yeah. points above. Oh, do you know, we haven't had any uh, text for ages. You know, you get the text from the people who are on the... What, they used to live in the East End and then they have a bed and breakfast on some Scottish island. They used to text in every day. Do you think they're, do you think they're, they're digital radio broke or something? Don't know. I think they got bored with you taking the mickey out of them, <laughs> probably. Just <laughs> laughing at their lives. <laughs> I, I like that you're very specific about They used to live in the East End and then they lo- they left to go to a Scottish croft. Well, they did. They they decided, right, we've got to, you know, do it. Maybe, maybe it wasn't all they thought it would be and actually they're now living back in Yes, Bow or it's somewhere. lonely and it's cold. And, and it, you have to deal with the public. And it's hard work. I was talking to somebody who does this thing, runs these things, oh, yes. and has done a survey about it. And said, the people that do well at it, you know, are a gay couple. Because there's two of them to change the light bulbs. And normally, it's the woman doing all the work. I know this is very kind of sexist. But it's women doing all the work and the greeting and the looking after and the changing of the sheets. Whereas with a gay couple, they're, they're nice to the people because they're working together and they feel like they're a team. And they have two people to do it. So that's... What that's, does the straight man do? Watches football. Okay. <laughs> if we're going down yeah. the, the generalisation. Yeah, just going, Maud, those sausages are burning. <laughs> What's for breakfast? Ah. <laughs> uh, well, you, yeah, you'll turn that bacon because. Uh... Do you know what I want to just talk to you about briefly? Because you have encountered fame in your past and indeed now. Um, you have seen the rise and fall. Should I get a pen and write this down? Yes, please, if you would. <laughs> I wish to talk to you about Taylor Swift. Ah. I love Taylor Swift, but I feel that they are starting. You know, you can't have a successful woman. Madonna saw it, lots of people. You cannot have a successful woman. I feel they are beginning to gun for her. You know, I mean, I don't mean that literally, obviously, because that would be wrong. Uh, well, that is America. Yeah. Uh, but they are now saying, you know, like, she snubbed Celine Dion. No, she didn't. She just was overexcited about getting an award and she has yeah. snogs with Celine Dion backstage. And that um, her army, the Swifty army, I hope this is true, are going to prevent... Trump getting in. I mean, she's a singer. She yeah. sings. She does stadium tours. Uh, I mean, I know America is insane and he was a chat show... No, he wasn't a chat show host. He was a reality TV host. Yeah. But I feel that they, we're on the cusp. You know when somebody gets too big? I think we're they can try. The I think they can try and go for her, but it's not going to work. Because those that Swifty army are so devout. And also, because she's not... It's not like they've they've you know uh, drunk the Kool Aid or bought the yeah, snake yeah, oil. Yeah. She's good. She knows what she she's doing. She is really good. She's got her head. I mean, the 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 most surprising thing to me about Taylor Swift is when you talk to her. When I talk to her backstage, is 
It's like you can't be this normal. You must be doing an impression of a normal person because she's so down to earth, so totally, seemingly unfazed by what's happened to her. Yeah. And you've got to think, how is that possible? But she does an amazing job of it. And she's, you know, uh, so pleasant and lovely to everyone she meets. I, I... I have so much time for her. Yeah, I really like too. her. And I, if I, someone's going to have, if someone's going to have uh, that army, <laughs> I'm glad it's her because I think she will, you know, use her power for good. But I can see it starting to bubble up because she's the power. They let her have a little bit of power, but not to it. I mean, did you ever feel, you know, you've been famous for a long time, that they were starting to look for things to bring you down you know this is how the world works well, it's, it's good tall fun. poppy syndrome it's isn't good, it they it's build good you fun. up your blessings yeah. sliced bread and now you're a terrible person yes i mean you saw i think the most the recent time you saw it was when for i don't know what happened why they decided that uh, holly and phil had to go they uh, they would they would not rest Till new people were presenting this morning. It's so weird. I know where it started. It started when they didn't queue up for no, to no, see no, the no. Queen. That, no, 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 no. That that was that was it. Like that was oh, that them was kind of going because who cares? But you know they made us care. It was very very strange. And like Swifty, they're now saying you know she's got a private plane because she has to do a lot of tours. And, you know, she's contributing. Basically, it's her global warming is Taylor Swift's problem. That's yeah. what somebody was saying the other day I mean, in the paper. So, But yeah. I hope she has good people around her. I mean, I saw her at the Grammys saying hello to people, saying, hello, I'm Taylor, like nobody knew. Um, just to keep that normality. What and also, if, if all you do is be nice and decent and da-da-da-da, and then you still get that press, I mean, that must be frustrating to kind of, Hang on, you're why you know all you are is angry because I'm a thirty year old billionaire woman and woman, yeah. Virgin Radio, featuring Maria. There we go. We did it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Who needs technology? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Dear Graham and Maria, I work in an office and manage two ladies, one of which I'm very good friends with. Over the last six months, she spent a lot of time tapping away on her computer with not a lot of work being done. So the other day, I checked her computer and saw she was WhatsApping. I looked at it and saw the name of a married man who works in a different office within the same company. I clicked on it and read a few messages which clearly show they're involved in an affair which has been ongoing for several months. To say I'm shocked is an understatement and I can't stop thinking about it. There was lots of talk on their WhatsApp chat about how she hates her job and can't wait to leave and set up home with him. She's given no indication at all that she's in a relationship. My ex-husband, oh here we are, cheated on me and this situation is now triggering old feelings of deceit and rejection. She's not married but he has been married for about 15 years and has a 12-year-old daughter, similar in age to her children. Don't know what that means. My question is, do I approach her and tell her I know about the affair or should I keep quiet? I feel that by keeping quiet, I'm carrying a huge burden as I was hurt so badly in the past with my ex and can feel myself getting anxious knowing this big secret that I can't share with anyone. I also need to approach her attitude to her job, which I do, but it is going to be difficult to put up a front knowing she is involved with a married man. And that is from Tracy in London. 
Tracy in London, you're not going to like this, but I'm afraid snoopers will get their noses burned. And that's exactly what's happened to you. I mean, the term trunk out, Dumbo, really <laughs> does apply to you, Tracy in London, because you went looking at her computer, you clicked... You clicked on what she was doing and then you looked at old messages and you have pieced together this, like Miss Marple, frankly, who's married and he's in a different office and he's got a child. Yes, I'm sorry that you had a husband who cheated on you, ex-husband, sorry, who cheated on you and you're feeling deceit and rejection. But, you know, you're carrying a huge burden and you were hurt so badly in the past. You, this is your fault. You've got this burden because you clicked where you shouldn't have clicked, lady. And I'm afraid that's that's the end to it. Because how do you say I know about this? Because I clicked on your computer. It's like reading someone's diary, I'm afraid. And not just once and going, oh, I'll just have a quick look. You went back on the WhatsApp messages. You have found out how long this affair has been going on. You have found out about his children. You have found out about that he is married. You cannot have this information and treat this woman like a normal person. So you, even though you're managing these two ladies, you cannot, your judgment has been coloured. Uh, so you cannot talk to her about her slacking ways. You have to get somebody superior to you or on the same level as you to talk to her about it. Because I'm afraid you have already damned this woman um, in your mind for triggering something that is not her fault. Listen, people have affairs all the time, Tracy. People get cheated on all the time. It's triggering you. It happens all the time. This is, yeah, it's not great, but that's your issue, not hers. Sorry to yeah. not be helpful, Tracy, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, because Tracy, it's like you're blaming her now for what your mm. husband did. And so you've got it all mixed up. So, yes, you, I can imagine this ab absolutely has brought back all those feelings of hurt and betrayal. And that's awful, but not on her. You can't pin that on her. No. You know, she, yes, she is having an affair and, you know... Good, bad, or different, judger or not judger, do what you like. But your feelings right now, Tracy, are your feelings, and you need to deal with them. And it's not about this woman or the man she's having an affair with. I do, I do think you could still, you know, I, if you're if you're good at this, you could have a word with her about productivity, and uh, you, you could even say someone has you know noticed that you're on WhatsApp a lot. Because, you know, this is a work computer, so they probably know what's open in the browser and da, 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 all that sort of stuff. So you could say... Someone has noticed. Yeah, it sounds that, like, you've been on, that you've been on WhatsApp for It sounds for like she works hours. in an office with, and she manages two ladies. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of people in there. I would just give... I would pass this on to someone else. You have done a bad thing, Tracy, and now you're going to tell her off for slacking. It's almost like you can't do that at the moment. And and I don't think your judgment is up to anything at the moment because you're so coloured by this betrayal yeah. and your hurt and your burden, you're not thinking straight. Also, I, it, stories fascinate me. Like, who's the other woman? Well, why do we need to know that there's two ladies? <laughs> it's just a woman she works with. But I, I would, I would check the other woman's uh, computer. You'll find out she's having an affair as well. She's got with your ex-husband, and uh, Stop it yeah, now. check out that WhatsApp. <laughs> yes. uh, no, so Tracy, I they're just... all at it. Tracy, they're all at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's rife. It's... 
Especially um, in that office. So, Tracy, I just... Um, you, yeah, you... What's good, in a way, is it's made you realise that actually you're not over... If you thought you were over what happened with your ex, you're not. You're still feeling that pain. So find out ways to deal with that because that's all you can think of from this is that it's reminded you... Triggering. Uh, yeah, of that. And... Uh, Take that as a benefit. Take that as a bonus from this. That, oh, okay, I need to work on myself and my own issues. Uh, Paul from Rutland says, sort of disagree with Maria. in that, it's, if it's on her work computer, the lady has every right to monitor her computer. In fact, managers should check if they have concerns. Also, is there a policy about in-company relationships? Well, yeah, I think he works for a different company, doesn't he? Uh, my advice is she should have a more senior manager deal with productivity and, if needed, any ethical issues. But Tracy does not but does need to report up and then step out. Okay, Paul. Paul's reporting it. Advice for Tracy. You broke the law. (gasps) The woman, take this Paul from Rutland, what do you know? Michael Brunton Spall. I think we trust Michael Brunton Spall. There's a law degree here. The, this woman has a reasonable expectation of privacy in the workplace. Raising this should get you could get you fired for gross misconduct. Just move on. Hello, ladies having an affair. That misconduct's much grosser, I'd have thought, but eh, what do I know? David in Liverpool. Tracy has two problems, one of which she can deal with and one of which she can't. The fact that this lady is spending too much time on WhatsApp rather than doing her work is something that Tracy can tackle without even letting the woman know that she has read the messages. The fact that this woman is having an affair with somebody else in the office is something that Tracy will just have to suck up. Deal with what you can deal with and forget the rest. Wise words, David in Liverpool. Chloe's down in Cornwall. Uh, The affair is not Tracy's issue, yet it is a problem of the wife of the married man. Tracy should anonymously... Oh, here we go. Tracy should anonymously send a note to the wife, really informing her of the affair. This would take the pressure off Tracy... Would it? And give her comfort for trauma if she knows that the wife will no longer be in the dark on the situation. Stand back and wait for the explosion that you caused. It's like you lit a fuse and then you go, well, you know, it's not up to me what happens now. (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be an explosion. That's what's going to happen. Uh, Sinead in Glasgow. Uh, I would actively encourage Tracy to confront the woman about what she found on the computer. Tracy can explain to HR why she was snooping through someone's computer. There will soon be a managerial vacancy available. No wonder the woman hates her job with tea lording over her. She sounds like a nightmare. Dear Tracy, you didn't write in for this. Uh, David in Liverpool, you are getting the waiter's Valentine's dine in for two. Virgin Radio. Graham and Maria. My daughter is doing her A-levels and is in her first relationship. They've been together for just shy of a year and are currently planning their lives post-sixth form. My daughter's received an unconditional offer from her first choice of university and her boyfriend has got a great range of offers from his top choices. The other day, my daughter sat me down and told me she no longer wanted to go to uni and instead wants to find a nine-to-five and move in with her boyfriend in London. I don't know whether... 
he's the one that sparked this conversation or whether it was her idea, but I couldn't help feeling horrified. I told her I was surprised, but that maybe we should talk about it another time. It was awkward, but it didn't escalate. I really appreciate that she can come and talk to me about these things and I feel badly for how I reacted in the moment. How do I tell her that I feel like she's wasting this opportunity without insulting her or suggesting she shouldn't have freedom of choice? As a single dad, I'm really scared about driving her away. Any advice is warmly welcomed. And that's from Mikey in Suffolk. Mikey in Suffolk, you sound like a lovely dad, but sometimes lovely dads can be a little bit indulgent here. I think, you know, from what I can gather, Mikey in Suffolk, uh, the boy who's also leaving the sixth form and has got top choices is clearly going to a London university. So what's happening here is he's giving up nothing and your daughter is giving up... Well, we don't know that. ...all her places. Well, it sounds like, you know, they both. he's got an unconditional offer, a great range of offers from his top choices, one of which clearly being London, if that's going to happen. And I think he's not giving up university. That's what I'm hearing, but you may be hearing something else. Um, now, we all know how this will end because we've all been in relationships and it's their first relationship and so on. Um, I think you need to have a talk with her, maybe with both of them, actually. Maybe sit down with both of them, embarrass them a bit, but be a nice dad. And just because you care about both of them and you don't want either of them to mess up their lives. I, I just want to say, as a sort of addendum to that, would it be so bad if she delayed things by a year, if she took a gap year? Mm-hmm. Gap yacht and went to London and found out that doing a nine to five job is horrible and she probably only get waitressing and all of that and that it would be nice to go to university and you know I'm not saying university is the be all and end all, Mikey in Suffolk. It's it's not everything. It's not gonna. It's no guarantee of jobs in the future. Uh, but I understand where you're coming from with this. But I do think. It didn't escalate when you talked about it, but it didn't seem like you talked about it either. You said we'll talk it through another time. So that has to happen. Let's sit down and let's discuss the pros and cons. And you can offer maybe take a year out and see how it goes because... Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't close that door. Leave that door open because, you know, and you don't want to say to her because you're going to break up with this guy, but she's going to break up with this guy. So uh, you you need to keep that opportunity still there. The, The other thing, Mikey, I would say is... Is she just going to university for the sake of it or is there something she really wants to study? Because if she's not passionate about it... What she's passionate about is her boyfriend. Yeah. Because that's what you are and it's a first relationship and you can't believe that this is so wonderful. But the thing she's going to study, clearly, she doesn't love. Because, you know, if, if that was... She, she if just she saw loves her, him more. No, but then your life is kind of blur because you're just kind of, you know, living for him. And, you know, you're... Yeah, welcome to being 18 or 19. Oh, she's bright as a button, though, because clearly, you know, she's had a, this unconditional offer uh, for her first choice university. So, I, I yes, if she's not passionate about the thing she's going to study, then maybe Maria's right. How bad is it that she doesn't go to university? You know, because... Well, give, because... Her, give her the option of taking a year out and then, you, who knows, she may get a fabulous job in London, be start earning a huge amount of money, and da-da, but also she may not. But I think, you know, there's that option. But it, what what is certain about this is that a first relationship is not going to be the last relationship yeah. because we've all been there. But if it is the first relationship, you n- you know the passion like no other. It's like being hit over the head with a hammer. Yeah, and also, I think what you could say to her is, you know, this is great, you're so in love, and, you know, if your love is so strong, 
uh, it can survive uh, a few months apart. Does because... it mean anything to an 18-year-old? Well, Mikey needs to say it out he loud. He does, he, he does. He needs to say it out loud because if you don't say it out loud, you will regret it mm-hmm. because then... Boo hoo! Why? Why did you let me do that? Yes, yes, yes. Why did you it's let me throw away? Fault. Why did you let me throw away my opportunity at university? So, Mikey, you do need to say it, and you need to say this relationship. You know, it's great that you love each other so much, but it could survive because it. Listen, if you're going to university, it is just a few months because the terms are so short, and then you can but come down to London. The opportunities are so great, and the drinking is so vast. I mean, <laughs> from university life, I just say, think yeah. of, well, that will solve the problem. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. But I think Mike is trying so hard to be a good dad and not be confrontational. He's a single dad. He, you know, he's you got and, to yes. do double the work. I think that's yeah. what he's doing. And I, I think, Mike, you don't need to be confrontational. You just need to lay it out. And, you know, and if, it, if you think it would help, talk to the two of them. Or talk to the parents of the guy. Kind of going, do you know? You know, contact them and say, do you know this is their plan? How do you feel? That's turning it into a big thing, though, isn't it? I well, it, this is him. a big thing. It is a big thing. But, you know, she'll be cross if he talks to the parents. Well, maybe she needs to be cross because mm. she's come up with a very stupid idea. Glad you're not my dad. <laughs> I'm glad you're not my dad. I would lock you in your bedroom till you, going, till you change your mind. I'm not going to university. <laughs> Well then, you can you can just leave this studio. You get <laughs> you out of here. You treat this place like a hotel. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to talk to some listeners. They've got WhatsApps and serious advice. Alison says apprenticeships are a great way of studying and being paid. University are there many of those in London though? It all depends, on, I guess, where you are in London. Uh, university study can be done any time in the future. Also, no loans or tuition fees with an apprenticeship, and there are so many different types, including the NHS. Thank you very much for that advice, uh, Alison. Anne says, my eldest daughter did exactly the same thing. Uh, this is so serendipitous. Take a deep breath. Have a one-on-one, calm chat. You can work it out. For us... The boyfriend went ahead, she stayed home, and three weeks later had a complete turnaround, could not believe what she was even contemplating, took the year out, then went to uni. And now, 12 years later, she's expecting her first child and married to a lord. Lordy lord, what our children put us through. Uh, We love them, whatever happens. We don't believe they married a lord, no, yeah. Stupid other boyfriend. Yeah, what's he doing? Uh, Faye. Faye says, if you want to keep a good relationship with your daughter, you need to support her in all the decisions she makes and be there when it all goes pear-shaped and she realises what she gave up. You must let her make her own mistakes. She is young and will still have the opportunity to go to university at any time during her life. Perhaps just mention what it will mean by giving it all up now. Yeah, I mean, I think, Faye, Mikey, you've got to say it. You don't need to enforce it. You don't need to be, you know, banging your hand on the table. But you do need to lay it on the table and say, look, this is what's going to happen here. Uh, because then at least you've done it. Uh, Rachel in Birmingham says, your relationship with your daughter is a priority. Keep communication open. Sit down with her and work through pros and cons of each decision to help her to see the bigger picture and her consequences. That way, you are giving her the benefit of perspective. And if she still chooses to go to London, it's an informed decision and you keep your relationship intact. You may help her uncover other anxieties she has, such as fear of being alone without a loved one, including you and her boyfriend, at uni, which may be the underlying issue more 
more than anything else. Wise words from Rachel in Birmingham. Um, Tony Hitchum, I've been through this scenario and Mike needs a godparent, uncle, aunt, adult family friend that his daughter respects to discuss with her. She won't hear it from her dad. I would also suggest they draw a timeline of her life, 18 to 90. She'll see that she has years to be in love with her beau and a few years at uni is nothing, but it will open doors to careers that only accept graduates should she want to. Uh, thank you very much, Tony. Um, I'm going to give the Waitrose Valentine's Dining for two uh, to Rachel in Birmingham. But lots of good advice for you there, Mikey. Uh, so hopefully that helps. We'll have two more Graham's Guides tomorrow. Still to come, Jack Rook is in to chat about his Channel 4 comedy, Big Boys, and we announce the winners of our Share the Love competition. But first, let's get our energy up. Here comes show chef Martha. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. Hello. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm not bad, thank you. How good, are you? Nice week, nice week. Yeah, it's been lovely, thank you. Good, good, good. Lots of recipes, lots of cooking. That's your life. <laughs> that is what I do. <laughs> yeah, that is what Surprise. you do. Yeah. Uh, so what have you made for us today? So today I have made something lovely and Japanese inspired by mm-hmm. the wonderful Yuki Gomi. This is a roasted cauliflower with sweet miso dangaku sauce. Dengaku? sauce. I know, it's got a bit of flair to yeah. it, doesn't it? <laughs> now, because what they do is, before you get here, they, they print off a bit of paper and they have a photograph of, you know, what you might be making. Yes. Yours looks nicer than the photograph. Oh, that's Look. always my aim. Look at off- that. It's, I thought I thought more is always better. The photo just has one measly piece of cauliflower in it and I thought, do you know what? Let's do a platter. No, but also you've done proper cauliflower steak. They, I mean, I think if I make it, it will look like the picture because that's just a lump of cauliflower. Pieces of cauliflower. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about cauliflower steak? Because I feel like some people are like, oh, you shouldn't call it a steak. Well, I think if I'm having it at home, delicious. What I don't want to do is spend £15 on it. <laughs> yes. Then I feel a bit I feel a bit cheated because <laughs> what it's a slice of cauliflower. It's, it's £15. You know, I don't care how nice their sweet miso dengaku sauce is. Um, but at home, I'm happy to call it a steak. To, to like slice that. it like that, is there a trick to doing that? Because mine always falls apart when I try to do that. So it's all about kind of using... You want to get a really big cauliflower and then you want to use the middle pieces. So you, you the first cut and the off each side, you want to just save those florets for just regular cauliflower usage. Mm-hmm. And then it's the middle bit that should hold together on the stem. And you also don't want to trim away too much of the base so that it kind of has the tree, the yes. tree shape to grip onto. It's got something to live on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just so we know, going to the, is this... Uh, just veggie or is it vegan? What is it? Uh, I believe this is vegan. I haven't done a deep dive on each of the ingredients in, in case any of them are kind of sneaky, oh, yes, sneaky ones. You might have been all anchovy knocking around <laughs> or something. Yeah, But I think of, at first glance, this is a vegan recipe. <laughs> Let's just say it is. Let's just say it is. And, yeah, fingers crossed, everybody. And uh, and what would you serve? I think one of the things that people kind of think, oh, that, 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 what would you serve it with? So this is a really good kind of either a starter. So if you're doing a dinner party nice. or something like that and you or a Valentine's meal and you wanted to, you know, push the boat out and you're doing a starter, this is a really nice, easy, it's really simple. So it's a nice, easy starter. Or it would be a great vegetarian main. You could serve it with rice. It's out of a section of the Waitress Weekend where they serve it with a seaweed and tofu salad and also some chicken with a teriyaki glaze and some sticky rice. So you can make a whole feast. Delicious, Martha. Thank you very much for that. Uh, right, so uh, how do we begin? Well, we sort of know where we begin. We 
get to the middle of the cauliflower. We attack the cauliflower. You could also use one of those Romanesco cauliflowers for this dish. You know, those ones that look like... Oh, the green, like, weird ones. Yes, geometrically beautiful. But mm. people, they get them in a veg box and go, ooh, this is so attractive, but what do I do? Yeah. This is a good recipe for that kind of thing. So you can use either one of those, slice them into nice thick 1.5-ish centimetre steaks and try and get them the same so they all cook at the same rate. Then you want to get your oven nice and hot, about 200 degrees, line a baking tray with parchment, arrange your cauliflower steaks on top and then brush them with a little bit of oil. Then mm-hmm. they go into the oven for about half an hour so they get nice and tender and the top starts to char just hot very oven, slightly. Oven, yeah, pretty hot, about 200-ish. Okay, yeah. So keeping it nice and, yeah, getting that kind of grilled, that slight char on yeah, there. Yeah, you've got a nice char. I like the, the char on the edge of the cauliflower. Mm, but it's got to be tender because you don't want that kind of, like, slightly floury, underdone cauliflower no one wants to eat Raced. a raw cauliflower. No, that's not. Particularly on Valentine's Day, you don't want to. You know, it's delicious. It's true. Most things go in a salad at some point, but I feel like raw cauliflower is one thing that's yet to be saladed, isn't it? <laughs> that's one that chefs go, no, that's oh, not. Except, remember the old? Uh, I feel like it's from the from the eighties, like the the crudite, with and there'd be like an actual lump of cauliflower on a plate, and you oh. have to dip it in some cream cheese. And no. It's not the one. It's got to be properly cooked. So once that is nice and tender, we're going to get it out and then we're topping it with this sauce. So the sauce is really simple. It's a mixture of miso. You can use red or white. I've gone with red because I think it just has a bit more kind of that umami depth. Yes, you've told us this before. I can't remember. You can use either. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, A little bit of brown muscovado sugar, some mirin rice wine and some sake. Mix that together. And then you just want to drizzle that over your cauliflower, return it into the oven for three to four minutes until it's lovely and bubbly. Then serve it up onto a big plate or individual plates. I've also added a little sprinkle of Waitrose Cook's ingredients, sashimi tojura. I think it's called sh- sashimi tojurashi. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I'm making this really simple. <laughs> and it's basically um, like a Japanese seven spice. So it's got a mixture of chilli flakes, of like seaweed, of black and white sesame seeds and a few other things and it just adds a nice little flair to the top of your dish. Dengaku. Dengaku. <laughs> is that what the whole sauce is? So when you add all those ingredients, that's what you've made, dengaku. Yes. Okay, so I kept an... waiting for you to add dengaku. <laughs> You're like, when, no. is, when is the dengaku coming? <laughs> yes, but no, that is it. That's when you've mixed it all together, that's what it is. And it's traditionally used on aubergine. When you had that lovely miso glazed aubergine. Yes. If you made extra sauce, you could save it and you could probably put it on most vegetables. This is the kind of sauce that would improve most things. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, roasted cauliflower with sweet miso dengaku sauce. Uh, you can get that recipe at uh, slash show chef or indeed all of Martha's recipes there. Or you can check out the visuals of how pretty Martha made the steaks on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. What have we got? Sweet savory? Yes, well, we've got a bit of both. We've got a full, a full value. Valentine's Day breakfast in bed special. Hello, <laughs> I'll bring my pajamas. Uh, thank you very much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks a lot, Martha. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. He's here, my first guest of the day, uh, Jack Rook. Hello, Jack Rook. Hello, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. Now, I I knew you first as a stand-up. I yeah. went to see you in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. You know, was it a Spiegel tent? It was like a mini Spiegel tent. It okay. was a sort of Spiegel tent for those who can't sell out the big Spiegel tents, <laughs> yeah. which is a lovely Spiegel tent to be in. Yeah, uh, and it was very, very funny and good. And I we just thought, oh, he's going to go on and be a stand-up. Uh, but then you turned into this extraordinary writer. You've written this beautiful, beautiful show, Big Boys two seasons of it uh, the final season airs is it tomorrow it airs yeah the, the final episode's tomorrow if people are watching it in the old fashioned way if people are watching way. it the old fashioned way which a lot of people 
do, but not particularly our viewers. <laughs> I sort of get the ratings through the next day and I'm like, oh, God, who, you know, Sunday night, well, what, you've got the news? Or I think we've been up against Schindler's List on BBC Two. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was like, OK, well, what are you going to watch, Big Boys or Schindler's List? I might go for Schindler's List, just to, just as a reminder. Yeah, on a Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> Make work not, not so depressing tomorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but... Yeah. But 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 people, that is the thing about big boys, and because talking about it with people here mm. is people they start and then they just they can't stop. They just binge the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, it's nice. I I sort of really like it. I think, I you know, it, to me it's like a film chopped up in six parts, and I'd rather people binged it. That's sort of what you know. The director of the the show Jim Archer is more of a film director, and I feel like we make it to sort of run one into the other. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm so chuffed at the amount of people who were just like, I've. I've lost six hours of my life to this show. I'm like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> well, and also it is. It must be lovely to, to write something and make something that people don't just tolerate. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they actively love it. Yeah. Um, if people have not, if uh, there must be people listening who have not come across Big Boys, you know, they don't watch Channel Four comedy. They think it's not for them. Yeah, uh, tell us about this show. Big Boys is, I suppose it's a sort of story about a kind of bunch of misfits who go to university, and not a good one, I will say. Like, we're talking you're kind of polytechnic on the side of an A-road. And they kind of just all kind of meet and choose each other. And at the centre of the story, it's kind of about a character called Jack, slightly based on me, but a much more sort of shy, demure, dweeby version <laughs> of me, um, uh, who's a sort of, he's just come out of the closet, his dad's just died, he's kind of, like a, he's like the sort of spin on a typical gay protagonist, he's sort of shy and nervous and terrified of everything, and he becomes best friends with a more sort of traditional lads lad in a character called Danny, who are played by Dylan Llewellyn and John Pointing, and uh, Danny is a sort of, uh, on the surface, you kind of think, oh, yeah, I know this character. And then there's some sort of hidden depths to him, yeah. which, uh, you know, and he's kind of, that character's based on about four or five of my friends who are sort of straight lads, lads. But actually, you know, sometimes, I think there's this thing nowadays where a lot of uh, queer people or gay people, they watch something gay on TV and they're like, oh, I feel very seen by that. Actually, I felt most seen by hanging out with some of my straight laddie mates that were like, hey, do you want to come and watch the royal family in bed with me? And I'll be like, yeah, I do want to come and watch the royal family or Gavin and Stacey or like, you know, some of my straight friends took me to my first gay pride and stuff like that. And so it's sort of celebration of like those differences don't need to necessarily separate us as much as we kind of think they have or as much as television perhaps is depicted yeah and i can imagine straight lads watching this thinking i feel seen yeah i feel seen because i i i i don't meet those expectations and i don't you know yeah. live up to all that those pressures and things yeah, yeah it's my favorite reaction is when somebody's like my husband's a builder on a building site in bracknell and he loves danny and i'm like thank you like that that to me is just as nice as you know a nice sort of Guardian review being lovely, like it's. It's so funny listening to you talking because, of course, you do the voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a I, weird. I feel like we're in the show now. You're in the show, <laughs> Graham is in a grey hoodie, <laughs> and he's drinking poppers in the club. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a weird one. I, but that my Edinburgh shows, my second Edinburgh show, the one before the one you saw was, I, I sort of did this address to the audience as you. And that sort of narrative device of sort of talking to my friend, but talking to the audience as if they were that. It's just, I was like, how do I translate that to TV? And I also thought, how do I make a bit of extra money? If I narrate the thing, I might, I might be able to get a bit more cash. Very smart Thank move. you, thank you. But the joy of not having to be in it. 
oh it's so good and not having to go to the main not having to wake up that early i get to rock up it is really nice and dylan llewellyn who is from Derry girls i think you've had him on yeah he was on here he's yeah just the sweetest kindest boy in the world and i and me and him you know we we share some experiences and we've sort of talked a lot and he he's he just sort of perfectly to me encapsulates a sort of nervous anxious me that that did kind of exist when i was 18 19 but really got knocked out of me as soon as i started doing stand-up so it's sort of nice to go down that memory lane yes because i've been watching it and the timeline so it's it's it started in 20 first season was 2013 yeah now we're kind of 14 into 15 yeah um and so I was watching it uh, with my husband. We were going, well, hang on. We saw Jack do stand-up in, I think, 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're thinking, like, a lot happened to you yeah. in between the, the you time of your life in that and doing stand-up. Yeah, I, I sort of... I think my final year of uni was really crucial for me. I think I got that thing where I was like, right, it's nearly the end. People are deciding what they're going to be and what they're going to do. And I was the first one in my family to go to uni and I thought, well, I can't be a black cab driver because I've got no coordination skills. So I've got to actually start taking this seriously. And I just started doing gigs above pubs. The sort of standard way, but like I was doing really bad, like funny poems. It was sort of bordered on performance art, bordered on comedy. It was a sort of quite <laughs> odd. There was, I sort of no no genre wanted to own me. Like the theatre people were like, he's comedy. Comedy be like, he's performance art. And performance art were like, who is he? So it was Step forward at the Edinburgh Festival. Thank you. I yes. know it's great the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, it's it? yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah, br- yeah. I saw you had um Ambika yeah. on the TV show last night and her talking about it and walking up after the seat. Like I was explaining to my flatmates, so I'm like, that is your mental health, like encapsulated. You walk up a hill and you hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is that is it. Now uh, you were saying there, that, you know, it's hard to describe the show because it is because it is gay, it is a comedy, but it's also a family thing. And yeah. the other thing is, everyone says, "Oh, I cried." It is yeah. heartbreaking. Did you go into it knowing you wanted to tick all of those boxes? I think so. I mean, I I tried to make it sort of as inclusive as possible, and I, and I mean by saying that, I mean like for there to be like white straight men filled to fill scene by it too, and I think it's yeah, it's a sort of difficult show because on the f- surface of it, you could be like it's a gay comedy or it's a uni comedy, and I'm like no, it's so much more, it explores so much more territory, and especially series two, I think it becomes a bit more ensemble. We have yeah. more of the other cast members in, and because your mom and your grand, I mean, all these all these other characters. Yeah. yeah, so it sort of feels like it becomes a bit more expansive. But I, I'm i a big believer in writing comedies that are funny. So when people say to me, oh, I cried, I'm like, that's very sweet. I obviously know I've put a bit of an emotionally manipulative ending in there. But I do want to make sure there's a big gag waiting like 20, 30 seconds away from yeah. a sad moment. I feel like it has to kind of still have that gag rate. And I'm sort of amazed, like, because... Is this your first... Are these your first scripts? Yeah. Because they seem so assured. The fact that you do that, the fact that you can go from laugh, laugh, laugh to now I'm crying. You know, that seems like a very sophisticated skill set. Did you... Did you go into it confident? Did you go into it? Yeah, I, I can do this. I think I. It was doing Edinburgh for five years. I think it teaches you about the of of how to kind of get an audience, laugh an audience into bed with you, and then once you've got their trust, you can hit them with slightly more difficult or emotional subjects. And I'm really sort of. I feel very proud to kind of come from a live comedy or a live 
theatre background because I think it just makes it just makes you know what a, what a viewer wants. Yeah, uh, Victoria's just uh, messaged in. Oh, has she? She's listening in East London. I don't think you know her. Uh, I just stumbled across Big Boys. Um, I mean, that that's not great marketing, Channel Four. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled upon it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll just <laughs> leave it here and see if people find see it. See if anyone yeah, watches yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Job done. Uh, I just stumbled across Big Boys and binge watched the first series last weekend. I cannot wait to watch the second series. It's absolutely fantastic. So beautiful and funny. Please pass this message on. Thank you. Thank and that was from Victoria yeah. Beckham yeah. in East London. London. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. David doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> David doesn't feel seen. You know, yeah, no, he, he feels too seen. <laughs> too seen by it. But actually, we should talk about your famous fans because you have, yeah. like, a lot of people have seen this and got to go, oh, that guy's really good. So, uh, who, uh, drop name drop, go oh, on. Do you know what? It's, I've always oh, do it. So, okay, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> well, look, I had lunch with Kathy Burke on Tuesday, which was honestly one of the happiest Isn't she afternoons lovely? of my life. Yeah. She is incredible yeah. and a long-term hero of mine. Russell T Davies immediately got in touch as soon as the first Series 1 Episode 1 had aired. Within two seconds, I had a message from him being nothing but sort of lovely and supportive. We've had... Who else? Um, I've, do you know what? Lisa McGee, who writes Derry Girls, has been incredible at just uh, sort of... It's so weird that writers are... I was always very intimidated by them, but actually, because they know how difficult it is to be a writer and get your ideas yeah. onto the screen, they're just much more supportive, or I've certainly felt really supported by a lot of writers. I think I infamously did a Guardian article the other day and, the, and the, the journalist asked me what other writers have liked Big Boys and I said oh well Phoebe Waterbridge just asked me to write a play and that became the headline of my Guardian <laughs> profile and I had to be like Phoebe I'm very sorry I promise that wasn't as clangy as a name drop but at the same time she does love the show and that's amazing because I think Fleabag is you know it was such a yeah. also you do think write your own play you lazy <laughs> <laughs> I believe you've got a laptop. Uh, <laughs> I actually did have to buy her a laptop, which was... Uh... That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And, and a bit, also, I think Richard Curtis was a big fan. He's, yeah. he's reached out to you. Which is mad. Yeah. Because I loved The Vicar of Dibley growing up. I think Alice Tinker as a sitcom character is in my sort of top five of all time. So, yeah, it, it's been such a nice... It's been so nice to sort of get that response. Yeah. And also, I suppose, it is that thing that I think writers probably do respond because it... Because writing a thing is one thing, mm. but then for it to make it onto the screen and for it to still be the thing you wanted it to be yeah. is so rare. Yeah, and I, I feel very sort of lucky that I've been able to, to do that, especially with the show. I mean, if I'm really honest, it was difficult to get commissioned. We got cancelled twice. And we, I, I heard all the old things of, oh, it's too niche, it's too British, it's too... To be honest, I heard it's a bit too gay. Like, I heard all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was only six or seven years ago. And now you think of the landscape of TV, stuff like Big Boys or RuPaul's Drag Race, like, it wouldn't have been made back then in this yeah. country. Uh, my husband and I binge watched Big Boys after you mentioned it on your show last week. Oh, hello. Uh, we absolutely loved it. It was so funny, but also really moving. Loved it, loved it, loved it. That's from Sharon and Paul in Redditch. Um, and Sarah says, please tell lovely Jack the Big Boys help me and my son, my own Danny, talk about mental health in, quite frankly, a life-saving way. We love him and his wonderful show. Oh, that's very kind. Do you get a it's, lot of that response? You I, must. I do. And, and you know what? Like, I, I, I try not to sort of reply to everyone but I do kind of read a lot of it and sort of like feedback to the director and the cast of like the amount of people that have come out because of sort of the coming out scene or the amount of people that have gone I'm on antidepressants and it's meant that I've dealt with erectile dysfunction like it's so that is I think a, a new that's something that I 
yes, I want to make a comedy, but I, I can't, I'm not going to sort of stab in the back that there are issues in there that people resonate with. I'm, I love that. Yeah. I find it a real kind of beautiful perk of the job. Um, it is, it's just gorgeous. Uh, Big Boys, both series are now available on Channel 4. You can watch it all, or if you're oldie fashioned, you could catch the last episode. I'm kind of going, well, that's a pity I didn't watch the rest of that. But uh, <laughs> I, I would urge you to watch all of it on, on Channel 4. Thank you so much for coming in to see us, Jack. You, lovely, lovely to see you. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. Piping my second guest into the studio, Helen George. Hello. Hello, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very well. You must be a little tired, I'd have thought. A little tired. We had a show last night and two today, so, you know, I'm running on adrenaline and caffeine. The show is The King and I. It's yeah. at the Dominion, and you play Anna, as mm. in King, who is the I. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's one of the... I mean, that is a, it's a big show. It's a big show. It's a big role, which is fantastic. Um, she doesn't shut up. She doesn't stop singing, which is wonderful. But it's, um, yeah, it's a wonderful, massive, big, you know, huge show. And actually, and it's one of those things, because I think lots of people know this musical because it's it's a Rodgers and Hammerstein classic. Yeah. But this production, if you want to see it, this is kind of the one to see, because this has the full orchestra, doesn't it? It does have the full orchestra and all the costumes and the set. It's very sumptuous and sort of luscious to watch. And and it's a huge theatre. I think it's one of the biggest theatres in the West End. So it's a really massive scale production. Some might say a barn. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. Yes, it is. It is drafty and echoey like a barn. Yeah, but but I'm sure not because big crowds. And so, yeah. and like when you think about modern musicals, like mm. if you get two, two memorable songs in a modern musical, you're thinking, oh, that was good. Yeah. This is like, so many. It's like a jukebox musical, except they all they wrote them <laughs> all for this show. Except the script yeah. that goes with it as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And when I didn't really, I mean, I know The King and I, and everybody thinks they know The King and I, but then you actually study it and you realise, God, there's that song and then there's this song and then, the, you know, there's just all of them are hits, which never happens in a musical. Normally there's like one song that everyone remembers and you kind of forget about the rest, but you remember all of them. And I think that's why it's, it stands the test of time because the script's so strong, but also the music. Yeah, and, and Anna gets lots of lovely tunes, which have tune get you know you shall be dance what's the one that the wife the king's wife sings to you wonderful i think that's one of the best songs. i i always feel for anna because i kind of think oh you're the lead and, and she's I, singing she, it i know i know i was gutted i was like well anna doesn't sing that she should sing that it was like when they made Evita the musical yeah. into a film uh, madonna just had another suitcase in another hall i love yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did, didn't she? Yeah. I should have done that, shouldn't you, I? You should have insisted. Yeah, you should have said. three weeks. I'm going <laughs> to have a chat. Uh, we should also talk about The King, who's played yeah. by Darren Lee, Lee. who's had such huge success with this yeah. role. Yeah, he's been doing it for a while um, in, in different sort of productions and across the world. And he did it on Broadway as well. Um, and he's just fantastic. He's the best king that you could ever hope for. He's so much fun. He's so lovely. And uh, children. We must talk about children. Lots of children because there yes. are many, many children in this. Yes. Uh, are, are there, do you like teams of them backstage yeah, different colour teams That so there's a green team they were on last night and the, there's red team on today and you know because you have to rotate them because you can't work them because of child laws and all of that which is fair enough silly old child silly laws silly old laws yeah. um, but no and sometimes I look at them and I think god you really need to go There was go to bed there was one kid last night that was just yawning in my face the whole way through the second <laughs> half and I just wanted him to have a pillow and sleep Sh- sugary thing. drinks you should have just <laughs> slipped him a Coca-Cola you know, get yeah. Harry yeah. Yeah, get Bless that down yeah. but they're very good and they're very young to be honest 
on stage. Well, the little the little ones are so cute, so sweet, yeah, so yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah. and they're very lovely. No, we're lucky. We've got some really good kids, and the boys that play my son as well, they're fantastic. Oh, you. They're I've too young. Sons, they're, oh, so they're too young. Wrong. They're too young to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Those child laws. Yeah. God. I have to start a campaign. <laughs> Let <laughs> the children harder. work. Let the children work. <laughs> they want to work. <laughs> Let them. Uh, the King and I will talk some more to Helen George. But just to remind you that uh, it's at the Dominion Theatre. It's a real. Oh, we should say it's a really limited run. Oh, we've only got three weeks left. Okay. So yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it it finishes on uh, the second of March. So yeah. Second March. Yeah. Just a few weeks. And do you know what I really can I just say this quickly? Oh, please. What I really like about the show is that I find it really hard when you want to go and see a show and the theatre tickets are so expensive. And what I really like about this is the tickets are so reasonable, which I think is so astounding in the West End these. Days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, there are some good deals to be had, which is fantastic as well. Canny theatre shopper Helen Very George. Okay, there you go. And um, you got to miss it because, like, it must be mm. lovely singing these songs with that it's huge wonderful. orchestra behind you. I mean, that's the thing about theatre; it's knackering, but it's this incredible, immersive experience that you go through, and you give everything to it. And you know, I can't believe my luck. I'm in this enormous theatre in these fantastic frocks, singing these wonderful songs, which I never thought I'd ever do. You know, it's been such a dream for me. So yeah, I'll be really sad to say goodbye. Now, I feel if should I know that you can sing and dance? No, because no, 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 no. I mean, I did, I did some musical theatre training when I was younger, but it's kind of just been buried and forgotten. About, yeah, 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 to be yeah, honest. Yeah. And then I had to like really dust off the cobwebs of my voice and see what tatters were left after being on TV for ten years. So, so yeah. did you kind of try it out? Before you said a la, definite yes. Yeah. No, did, but like, do you mean? Did you kind of go? Can I do this? Well, yeah, we had a session just to see if I could, and they were like, "Yeah, I mean, we we could do with some lessons, but you know, maybe." And I was like, "Okay, let's give it a go." But I do think because oh, I did this on tour as well, and I think my now I'm coming back to singing a bit older as well. My voice has changed, and I think it's actually stronger than it was before having wow. a, a ten year rest. So yeah, there we go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. Go enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, now we talk about television. Uh, the uh, Mar- Marvellous Call the Midwife. It's returning on March 17th. Uh, is, is it? Oh. No, I think it's on at the moment. Returning Which? on January the 17th. And uh, I think it's playing at the moment. I think there's a few. Maybe we're on episode six now. Okay. This is series 13, though. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's already been announced that this is going on for at least another two series. Uh, yeah. That's what it says here. Yeah, no, I think so. I'm, no, I'm holding so by this confused. paper. I've had hardly any sleep, but yes. Yes, yeah. two more years. Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're going to join, they're going to film again this summer and then next summer. So yes, absolutely, two more. Now you say they. Has Trixie well, said goodbye? No, 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 not at all. I mean, you know, the, the, the company Okay, is we. We, we, <laughs> we the company are filming. I feel like Hercule Poirot. Did you notice she said they? Uh, maybe because you're all married. Trixie's all married now. Yes, she is. She's yeah. married off. Yeah. yeah. Let's see how long that lasts. Okay. Oh. Is that good? Because where are we? What year are we in now? Somewhere in 62. Oh, we, we're only 62. Oh, we're 60. Yes. No, we must be later than that. Yeah. No, we're much. It... That was about 10 years ago. We're almost coming up to 1970. We're in That's what I was thinking. I've somewhere lost about seven years in my head. Um, No, we're about 69 and we're going to be 70s because I've just started wearing long collars and flared trousers. So we're about to hit the 70s. Well done. We got there. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, and is that because now uh, yeah. Helen George of the dark hair, we're so used to you being blonde. Is that yeah. your own hair? No. 
Yes, except this this year is the first year I've been wigged because my they because it has to be bleached so much. It was just snapping off. I was like some little bald parrot. So I just went, you know what? Never I'm a good gonna, look. It's, it's not the hottest look, to be fair. <laughs> so um, I've gone a bit darker just to condition my hair for a moment. So yeah, we yeah. are being wigged at the moment, yeah. And I think I read somewhere, have they said that these next two seasons, that is going to be, the story has been completed? I mean... Yeah, I I don't know, is the honest answer. The nuns left the East End in the early 70s. So I think historically there's always been that notion that that's that's the truth of the matter. Whether it goes on to another life form or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I remember, do you remember that Australian soap opera, The Sullivans? Yes. It was set during the war. It went on for longer than the war. So I think you're fine. I want to hit the shoulder pads. Yeah. I want to get to the aces, yeah. yeah. you know. Oh, actually, that would be Tricking so, yeah. So much fun. Yeah. And oh, by then you'd have a moped. Or maybe you have a moped already. No, she doesn't. No, she had a. She has a car, but was, yeah. A car? She has a car. This is She's madness. She's just allowed to drive. Madness. Crazy. Absolute madness. Uh, well, look, uh, Call the Midwife continues on BBC One on Sunday's nights. And you can see Helen George singing, dancing, oh. twirling in front of a huge uh, orchestra in the King and I. It's at the Dominion Theatre until Saturday the 2nd of March. Tickets available at kingandimusical.co.uk. All one word. Thank you so much for coming in to Thank see us. So Cheers. Me. Take care now. Uh, uh, two show day. Enjoy yay. them. Yeah, yay. <laughs> Yeah, it won't just be the children having sugary drinks. <laughs> Baraka, here it comes. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. Uh, last week, I asked you to share your love stories with me to be in with a chance of winning £200 worth of Waitrose vouchers to treat you and the one you love with a Waitrose Valentine meal deal for two. Uh, that includes a cheddar and emmental souffle, thank you very much, slow-cooked duck leg with cherry jus, skinny frit, mm, how we like them, salted caramel and chocolate frit roll, a bottle of fine wine, Saint Clair Wairou Valley Sauvignon Blanc, delish. And you'll have enough left over to buy flowers, chocolates, and even the week's shopping. All right. Now, we were only going to give away one, but honestly, I can't tell you. The, the, the entries for this thing were so good. It was really, really lovely. And there was a real range. And so there were kind of the funny, sweet ones, which we kind of thought we'd get. But then there were lots of just heartbreaking stories of people wanting to reward people who'd been lovely to them and shown love to them. So uh, we picked a winner kind of to reflect both types and they are both going to get that £200 deal uh, of Waitrose vouchers for the uh, Waitrose Valentine meal deal for two okay so I'll I'll start with the kind of more serious one and then I'll do the kind of the the more romantic sillier one Uh, Kate in Leicestershire Hello, congratulations, you have penned a winning entry. I would like to nominate Louise and Carl for the love they have shown me and my children. Despite their own problems, they have looked after me and my two boys. During lockdown, my 20-year-old daughter committed suicide. It was out of the blue and truly devastating for me, but so hard for her brothers. They were aged seven and nine at the time. Lockdown obviously made things worse. Not being able to see family, friends and only being allowed a limited amount of people to the funeral. Many friends and family found it too difficult to contact me and we've all been guilty of that. But 
Louise and Carl have been there throughout. I could write pages of how much they have loved and supported me and my boys. I would love for them to receive the Valentine meal. And they're going to, Kate. They are going to. Uh, I'm so sorry for your loss, uh, but how lovely that Louise and Carl were there for you. And, and it's a lesson to us all, because I think when things like that happen, a lot of us don't have words. We don't know what to say, and we end up saying nothing at all. But how brilliant that um, Louise and Carl stepped forward and uh, showed you the love. So they are getting uh, one lot. Uh, the next one is a more kind of romantic one. It's the story of how an unlikely beginning uh, led to Amy meeting her partner. After I moved into my own house, I got a puppy. I'd wanted a dog for a long time, so I was thrilled to finally have one. By my house, there's some fields and woods, and it's a perfect place to walk a dog. Well, how? I mean, this couldn't get better. I wonder what happens. When I first met Mark, he was walking his young dog. Now, this is a proper rom-com, because listen to this. His dog was off the lead in the field, so I said I'd let my dog off the lead and they could play. Okay? Unfortunately, it didn't go to plan, as his dog pinned my dog down. Well, see? The... the the path to true love does not run smooth. Every time I saw Mark for the next year, you heard me, ladies and gentlemen, year, uh, I had to pick my dog up. Then one day he said, I think he's okay. I said, are you sure? He said, I think so. He's wagging his tail. So I tentatively put my dog down and sure enough, they were fine. I was with a friend that day, so we carried on walking our separate ways. Then, a few weeks later, it was a mixed weather day. Details are important. So I thought I'd get out while it was dry. I'd hoped that I might see Mark every time I went out, and on this day, I bumped into him going the other way. The dogs were playing together, so I asked if I could walk with him. We were chatting and found out we were both single. Are you single? No, I, I, I just, I'm sure it's more subtle than that. Uh, then the weather changed on us, and we had to shelter under some trees. When the rain stopped, we carried on walking, and then it poured down again. We ducked under some other trees. Not those trees, other trees. But it didn't look like the rain was going to stop any time soon. My house was just around the corner. So I suggested we went back there to get out of the rain. After about ten minutes, the rain stopped, and Mark said he'd make his way back. The next day, there was a knock on the door. I opened it, and it was Mark. He asked me out, and we've been together ever since. It will be 19 months on Valentine's Day. Well, Amy and uh, Mark, congratulations. You are also getting the £200 worth of vouchers uh, to treat yourselves to the Waitrose Valentine's meal deal. And uh, listen, I can't tell you, I enjoyed reading all the entries. Thank you so much for those. Uh, really, really loved them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And congratulations to our winners. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. Thanks so much for listening to my show. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. See you later.